What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Time Out with Tony. I am your host, Tony. Howdy, 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 howdy. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are going back to the Old West for this uh, for this episode, and today we will be reviewing Django Unchained. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We will be reviewing Django Unchained, 2012 old spaghetti western movie, sort of. Um... I remember first watching this, I think I was around, I don't know, say 12, 13, somewhere around there. And I watched it and I'm like, holy shit, this is so fucking violent. This isn't this isn't for kids. And then I saw that the movie was directed by Quentin Tarantino. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, this shit makes so much more fucking sense, bro. It's fucking Quentin Tarantino, man. So obviously it's going to be a lot of blood, cuss words, and, and a bunch of other stuff. Dirty language, you name it, they, they have it. They pretty much have it. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, of course, uh, for those of you that have seen the movie before, um, I, I know there will be no mentions of any racial slurs of any kind on this program today or at all. It depends. I can't really control people I have on here, but yeah, there will be no mentions of any racial slurs at, on here at all whatsoever. So yeah. All right. All right. Let's, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Uh, quick, quick, um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, right. Quick announcement before we begin. Yes, I have started putting ads on my episodes. You want to know why? Well, because I, um, I I need money. (laughs) I need money. Okay. All right. People pay me to promote their stuff on here. And that's exactly what we're going to do. As you may have noticed, I've already put my first ad. It was before this episode. Deal with it and whatnot. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. So uh, please be sure to check out the link about uh, on the ad. And on top of that, don't forget to enter the contest. Yep, yep. There's literally a week left until the winners are announced. And let me tell you... Um, if I'm gonna be honest with you, no, almost no one has signed up. No one, no one has given us shoutouts. Which, friendly, to be honest, I kind, I kind of find to be bullshit. I mean, um, a lot of you guys just are just there just because, just because I follow you and you and and you're like, okay, level, let me follow back. I just won't pay fucking attention to whatever this guy says. But you, know, you just guys just watch. You just watch. One day, one day, I tell you. One day, this guy's just going to blow up, and you're going to be like, oh, I was one of their first listeners. And I'm going to be like, nah, bitch, you weren't. I know who listens and who doesn't. I know damn well how you guys don't even listen. So if you're listening now, you still have a chance. <laughs> you still have a chance. Uh, but I think I'm going to switch up the contest, actually. I think I'm just going to say, who who wants to enter this contest? And then whoever says yes, put their names in the box, shake the box, open the box, open up the box. And uh, whoever wins is is that that's that's who I'm picking. Yep, yep. Uh, let me see. Um, we're at 160 plays, so that's really good. We're uh, getting some high numbers, almost to 200. Uh, I might not do anything for that since none, literally, no one signed up for this. But uh, yeah. Anyways, that's enough of that. Um, yeah. 
Alright ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, go ahead, kick back, crack open a beer, crack open a soda, or water, whatever it is that you drink, and relax, because this is Django Unchained. So for those of you new to this, here's how it goes. We go a little bit into of a premise. Uh, we then go into the plot. After that, we give it a personal rating and our, a few opinions. Uh, after that, we go a little bit behind the scenes and take a look at all this, how it was made, and etc. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, for those of you that do not know, Django Unchained is a 2012 American revisionist Western film Written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, we got Jamie Foxx as the titular character, Django. Christoph Waltz as um, Dr. King Schultz. We'll get to him later. Uh, alongside him, we also got Leonardo DiCaprio as Calvin Candy, a cruel slave owner. Um, next up, we got Kerry Washington as Broomhilda Von Schaft. Uh, Again, a very important character later on in the story. And Samuel L. Jackson as slave Stephen Warren. Uh, you know damn well there's going to be a lot of motherfuckers in this movie. Samuel L. Jackson, you feel me? Anyways. um, What was I saying? I said motherfucker. Okay. Uh, the movie is set in the Old West and Antebellum South. It's highly, it's a highly stylized and heavily revisionist tribute to spaghetti westerns, in particular, uh, the 1966 Italian film Django by Sergio Corbucci, and uh, the star Franco Nero actually has a, a cameo appearance in the movie. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, let's get into the story. Yeah, our story opens up in early 1858. Texas brothers Ace and Dickie Speck drive a group of shackled black slaves on foot. Among them is Django, played by Jamie Foxx. He is sold off and separated from his wife, Boomhilda von Schaft, played by Kerry Washington. She is a house slave who speaks German and English. They are stopped by Dr. King Schultz, played by Christoph Waltz. Christoph, that's a weird name. Anyways, they're stopped by the doc, by the doc, by Dr. Schultz, and uh, he's actually a German dentist turned bounty hunter seeking to buy Django for his knowledge of the three outlawed Brittle brothers. Uh, overseer, and they're actually overseers at the plantation of Django's previous owner and for whom Schultz actually has a warrant for. Uh, anyways, when Ace levels his gun at Schultz, Schultz kills him and shoots Dickie's horse, and as a result, the horse falls on top of Dickie, pinning him to the ground. Schultz insists on paying a fair price for Django before leaving Dickie to the newly freed slaves, who then kill him and follow the North Star to freedom. Schultz offers Django his freedom and $75 in exchange for helping him track down the Brittles. Django and Schultz kill the Brittle brothers at Spencer Big Daddy Bennett's Tennessee plantation. Bennett rounds up a posse whom Schultz ambushes with explosives, killing most of them while Django kills Bennett. Obliged to Django, Schultz takes him on, an, on as an apprentice and agrees to help him find and rescue Broomhilda. They then return to Texas where Django collects his first bounty, keeping the handbill as a memento. 
He and Schultz rack up several bounties before spring, and they travel to Mississippi and learn that Broomhilda's new owner is actually Calvin J. Candy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. He's a charming but cruel owner of the Candyland uh, plantation. Uh, and in this on this plantation, uh, slaves are actually forced to wrestle to the death in brutal Mandingo fights. For those of you that do not know what that is, it's sort of like um, it's sort of a uh, like. Like man versus dog fights, like they put him up against a bunch of dogs, and if he survives, then it's all good. But uh, it, eh, I don't want to spoil it yet. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Schultz and the Django hatch a plan. They know that if they offer to buy Broomhilda, Calvin will price her beyond reach. So instead, they offer twelve thousand dollars for one of his best fighters as a pretext to acquire Broomhilda for a nominal sum. Uh, they they can then fiend second thoughts about buying the fighter and just leave with Broomhilda instead. They meet Calvin at his gentleman's club and make the offer. Intrigued, Calvin invites them to the Candyland plantation. Uh, this is actually where they bring in that one meme where um, we're actually two memes. One of them is where um, um, what's his face? Uh, uh, Calvin. He's like he's like you had me you had me interested and now I'm intrigued or. I think it's the other way around. Either way, they use that in a bunch of memes. Also, it's that other one where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is like drinking and he's like laughing or like smiling with a smug face. Like just like eh, eh, kind of smile. Not like the kind that you see in the great guys where he's like raising his 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 cup. No, it's not that one. It's also uh, and it's also neither that one where he's like sitting on the couch with like a cigarette and a cup in his hand. No, that's not the one either. Uh, he's like laughing at smug at the camera. He's like a beard. He's got a beard and like a goatee. Yeah, that's the one. I feel like you guys had trouble understanding me. Anyways, he invites them to the Candyland Plantation. And en route, the group encounters Calvin's, Calvin's slave trackers who have cornered um, who have cornered one of the slaves who tried to escape. And he's actually a disfigured Mandingo fighter. Schultz attempts to pay Calvin to spare him, but Django intervenes. In response, Calvin has Stone Cypher sick attack dogs at the slave who then maul him to death. Um, the site pretty much accepts Schultz, uh, upsets Schultz. Um, having told Broomhilda, Broomhilda of their plan, Schultz offers to buy her as his escort while negotiating the initial drug, I mean, the initial drug deal, I mean, the initial deal during dinner. Calvin's house slave, Stephen, played by Samuel L. Jackson, realizes that Broomhilda knows the Django and accurately deduces her plan and alerts Calvin. Calvin alters the deal at gunpoint so that Broomhilda will be bought for 12000 instead of the fighter. Schultz reluctantly agrees, and during the finalization of the sale, Calvin threatens to have Broomhilda shot if Schultz does not shake his hand to seal the deal. Schultz says, fuck that, and instead shoots Calvin dead. Calvin's bodyguard kills Schultz, and Django goes on a rampage killing the bodyguard, the lawyer, and several Calvin's goons. Uh, he is forced to surrender when, uh, when Stephen takes Broomhilda hostage. The next morning, Django is tortured and is about to be castrated. For those of you that do not know what that means, his balls are going to be chopped off. Anyways, his balls are about to be chopped off and Stephen arrives. He halts the torture and says that Calvin's sister, Laura, has taken charge. See, now that's false. I mean this in the least sexist way, but I highly doubt that would have been possible back in the day. I mean... Throughout those ages, women was just, it was just cook, clean, and then uh, bear my babies. And I mean, unless Calvin's will said, leave my sister as a proprietary owner, as a sole proprietary owner and all that stuff, which in that case, I, I, I think it would have worked. I don't know. 
I don't know how things would have worked in 1860, but they sure as hell wouldn't have let a woman take control. I mean, they're really, they're really some really huge sexist motherfuckers back then, bro. I mean, damn. Anyways, um, what was I saying? Oh, right. Anyways, Calvin's sister, Laura, has taken charge, and Django will be sold to a mining company, and he will be worked to death. En route there, Django uses his first handbill to prove to his escorts that he is a bounty hunter. He claims the men on the hand, uh, on the handbill are at Candyland and promises that the escorts uh, will be paid $500 for the reward money. Once released, Django ends up killing the escorts and returns to Candyland with a big bag of dynamite. Uh, he recovers Brumhilda's freedom papers from Schultz's corpse. He avenges him and the slave by killing Stone Cipher and the other trackers. He frees Brumhilda just as Calvin's mourners return from his burial. At the mansion, Django kills Calvin's sister and the remaining henchmen. He releases the two remaining house slaves and he fucking kneecaps Steven before igniting the dynamite he had planted throughout the mansion. Django and Brumhilda watch from a distance as the mansion explodes and they ride off into the night. And that, my friends, is Django Unchained. Wow. Such a story right there. All right, ladies and gentlemen. The moment of truth. The rating. On a scale of 1 to 10, I give Django Unchained a... A 10 out of 10. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I have to give it a 10 out of 10. This is just a movie that I genuinely enjoyed. I When I first watched this, I had no no context, right? I had no, no context behind the movie. I've never heard of it before. No, nothing about it. I, I, no, I knew nothing about it. And when I watched it, it was just like this huge train that came at me and like, boom! Well, not in a bad way, but like, boom, like it hit me in a good way. You get me? And I just loved it. I loved the plot. I loved the acting. Um, there are a few. Um, I love the actual accurate de uh, uh, depiction of how slavery was back then. I'm not saying that, oh, yeah, slavery was a good thing. No, believe me, I'm fuck that. It wasn't really one of one of America's best moments, and it still isn't. Um, but I just, it just really wowed me, you know. Like, like in school, they taught me, they taught me, oh, they they just had them as had them as slaves. They had to work all day, work, 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 work. But with this movie, it was a lot more accurate. Yes, they had them work and all that, but in school, they just. They didn't say the part where they were either they would be tortured by their owner owners or raped by them, or like they just made us made us see that oh their owners just had them work work work. But in here, they give us the full context, the whole thing. This is what actual slave owners actually did back in the day, and I can prove it by because I mean I did I also did a bunch of research for this movie. Um, not only on the movie, but uh. As well as on the time period as well. I did a bunch of research on the 1850s, 1860s, where which is where this movie mainly takes place in. Uh, I did a lot of research on slavery in America. Um, basically, the whole time period, the time period before the Civil War. Like uh, the small time period before the Civil War. I did an entire, an, an entire research on that. 
And I'm like, wait, wait a minute, this this isn't none of the this, this, I've never heard of this shit in school, man. Like, school's telling me, oh yeah, slavery wasn't that bad. You're fucking lying. It was completely bad. And that's what I really liked about this. I like the accurate depiction. I like that they weren't really sugarcoating anything. They really went straight at it. Um, and yeah, I just got to give it a 10 out of 10. From the acting to Samuel L. Jackson with, with his being the way he is. Amazing. Just amazing. Um, and the ending as well. I just love the ending. The fact that they're, be, they're able to be free, spend their lives together without... Well, I mean, maybe they might be chased, but they, they're able to spend the rest of their lives together and all that. I, I just loved it. I loved it. And, um, yeah. All right. Let's go a little bit behind the scenes. Development for this first began in 2007 when director Quentin Tarantino discussed an idea for a type of spaghetti western set in the United States pre-Civil War Deep South. He called this type of film quote, a Southern, stating that he wanted, quote, to do movies that deal with America's horrible past with slavery and stuff, uh, and stuff, but do them like spaghetti westerns, not like big issue movies. I want to do them like they're genre films, but they deal with everything that America has, has never dealt with because it's ashamed of it. And other countries don't really deal with it because they don't, they don't feel they have the right to, end quote. Uh, Tarantino later explained the genesis of the idea, saying, quote, I was writing a book about Sergio Cabrucci when I came up with the, a way to tell the story. I was writing about how his movies have this evil Wild West, a horrible Wild West. It was surreal. It dealt a lot of fascism. So I'm writing this whole piece on this. And I'm thinking, I don't really know if Sergio was thinking this while he was doing this. But I know I'm thinking it now, and I can do it. End quote. Tarantino finished the script in, on April 26, 2011 and handed the final draft to the Weinstein Company. In October 2012, freaking Tarantino collaborator RZA said that he and Tarantino had intended to cross over the Django Unchained with RZA's Tarantino presented Marshall Films, The Man with the Iron Fist. The crossover would have seen a younger version of a blacksmith character from RZA's film appear as a slave in an auction. However, scheduling conflicts prevented RZA's uh, participation. One inspiration for the film is Kobruchi's 1966 Spaghetti Western, Django, who starred Franco Nero, again, like I said before, had a cameo appearance on the movie. Another inspiration for the movie was 1975's Mandingo, about a slave trained to fight other slaves. Tarantino included scenes in the snow as a as a homage to the Great Silence, saying, quote, um, Silenzio takes place in the snow, I like the action in the snow as much as in the snow so much. Django and uh, Unchained has a big snow section in the middle. End quote. Tarantino said in an interview, the title Django Unchained alludes to the titles of the 1966 Cobrucci film Django, Hercules Unchained, and uh, the American title for the 1959 Italian epic fantasy film Ecroli El. I can't pronounce that. But anyways, it's about a mythical hero's escape from enslavement to a wicked master and uh, another. Uh, allude is to Angel Unchained, a 1970 American biker film about a biker exacting revenge on a large group of rednecks. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Anyways, among those considered for the title role of Django, um, Michael K. Williams and Will Smith were mentioned as possibilities, but in the end, it was Jamie Foxx casting the role. I mean, I could see Will Smith in this role, but not a lot, because, I mean, Smith has taken a lot of comedic roles, um, 
he hasn't really done much serious roles aside from like work in like Independence Day and uh, that shitty film called After Earth. But yeah, I really couldn't see him in this. And Michael K. Williams, I'm not really familiar with his work. Never really heard of him. But again, Jamie Foxx, great decision. Uh, Smith uh, said that he turned down the role because it wasn't the lead. Uh, Tyrese Gibson even sent in an audition tape as a character. Um, Franco Nero was uh, the original Django from the 1960 Italian film was rumored for the role of Calvin Candy, but instead was given a cameo appearance as a minor character. Nero suggested that he play a mysterious horseman who haunts the Django in visions and is revealed in an ending flashback to be Django's father. Tarantino opted not to use the idea. Kevin Costner was in negotiations to play as Ace Woody, a Mandingo trainer and Candy's right-hand man. But Costner dropped due to scheduling conflicts. Kurt Russell was cast instead, but also left the role. When Kurt Russell dropped out, the role of Ace Woody was not recast. Instead, the character was merged with Walt Goggins' character, Billy Crash. Uh, Jonah Hill was actually offered the role of Scott Harmony, a gambler who loses Bromilda to Candy in a poker game, but turned him down due to scheduling conflicts with The Watch. Uh, Sacha Baron Cohen was also offered the role, but declined to appear in Les Miserables. Or is that, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, neither Scotty nor the poker game appear in the final cut of the film. Hill later appealed in the film in a different role. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt said that he would have loved uh, would have loved loved to have been in the film, but was unable to appear because of a prior uh, commitment um, to direct his first film, Don John, which is another story for another day. Um, a lot of the costume design was, again, just try to get it as accurate as then. Uh, for, uh, principal uh, photography for Django Unchained started in California in November 2011, nearly a year before it was set to release, and it continued in Wyoming in February of 2012 at the National Historic Landmark Evergreen Plantation in Wallace, Louisiana, outside of New Orleans in March of 2012. Uh, the film was uh, shot in the anamorphic format on the 35mm film. Uh, although originally scripted, a subplot centering on Zoe Bell's mask tracker was cut and remained unfilmed due to time constraints. After 130 days of shooting, the film wrapped up uh, principal photography in July of 2012. Django Unchained was the first Tarantino film not edited by Sally Mink, who died in 2012. I mean, 2010. Uh, editing duties were then handled by Fred Raskin, who had worked as an assistant on Tarantino's Kill Bill. Raskin was nominated for a BAFTA award for best editing, but lost to William Goldenberg for his work on Argo. Uh, the first teaser poster was inspired by a fan art poster by Italian artist Federico Mancosu. His artwork was published in May of 2011, a few days after the synopsis and the official title were released to the public. In August 2011, Tarantino, at Tarantino's request, the production companies bought the concept artwork from uh, Mancosu to use for promotional purposes as well as on crew passes uh, and clothing for staff during filming. The Django Unchained was first released on Christmas Day 2012 in the U.S. by the Weinstein Company and released on January 18, 2013 by Sony Pictures, releasing in the U.K. Uh, the, uh, the film was first was screened for the first time at the Directors Guild of America on December 1, 2012, with additional screening events having been held for critics leading up to the film's wide release. The premiere for the Django Unchained was de actually delayed uh, by one week following the unfortunate elementary school shooting, uh, the, the Sandy Hook 
uh, shooting, uh, which took place on December 14th, 2012. Um, and that, as far as that goes, that's that. Uh, Django grossed $162.8 million in the U in the United States and Canada, uh, and $262.6 million in other territories. Uh, total, uh, in total, it made four hundred and twenty-five point four million dollars against a budget of a hundred million. So, in other words, they got a three hundred and twenty-five um million dollar uh, surplus. I mean, profit. So, <laughs> and as as of twenty thirteen, the Django Chain is Tarantino's highest grossing film, surpassing two thousand nine's Inglorious Bastards, which grossed. Three hundred and twenty-one point four million dollars worldwide in North America. The movie made fifteen million on Christmas Day, finishing second behind *Les Misérables*. It was the third biggest opening day uh, figure for a film on Christmas, following *Sherlock Holmes* and *Les Misérables*. It went on to make three hundred thirty point one million dollars in its opening weekend, finishing second behind *The Hobbit* and *Unexpected Journey*. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a rating of eighty-seven percent. Not the rating I give it, uh, and the right and the website's uh critical consensus reads, bold, bloody, and st- st- uh, stylistically daring. The Django Unchained is another incendiary masterpiece from Quentin Tarantino. End quote. Um, and uh, I actually agree with that. I actually do agree with that. It's in a lot of people's top ten list, and uh, frankly, it's in my top ten as well. It's uh number ten on my top ten lists. I just really, I really love this movie. It's one, it's in one of my, it's in my top tens, hands down. Um, the movie actually received a lot of controversy. Uh, some commentators thought the film, film's heavy usage of the racial slur, the, the N word with the hard R, was inappropriate, affecting them to an even greater extent that than the depicted violence against the slaves. Other reviewers have defended the usage of the language in the historic context of race and slavery in the United States. A lot of people said, whoa, 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 you're not supposed to use the hard R in the movie. What the heck? And other people are like, well, what do you what do you want us to do? It's fucking it, it's it's accurate. Why are you guys complaining? Like well, fuck you, conservative. That's exactly what happened. Um but yeah, that's that's that. I feel like I just went off on a fucking rent right there. Um, hold up. Could you just give me a minute? Okay, I'm back. I, I do apologize for that. Just a couple of background noises. Anyways. Uh, let's see. Let's see what else. What else? Uh... While hosting NBC Saturday Night Live, Jamie Foxx actually joked about being excited to quote-unquote kill all white people in the movie. Uh, conservative columnist Jeff Kumner wrote a reaction to the SNL skit for the Washington Times saying, quote, anti-white bigotry has become embedded in our post-modern culture. Taking Django Unchained, the movie boils down to one central theme, the white man as devil, a moral scourge who must be eradicated like a lethal virus, end quote. Whatever the fuck you have to say that. Okay, I guess. Um, there's a lot of violence for this, bro. You, well, you can't call it a Quentin Tarantino film if there isn't a fucking... If there isn't fucking someone getting their brains blown off. There's a lot of blood. Um, not that I'm happy about it, but, you know, I'm just saying. Um, there are some historical inaccuracies, although... Um, 
Although Tarantino has said about the Mandingo fighting, saying, quote, I was always aware those things existed, quote, there is no definitive historical evidence that slave owners ever staged gladiator-like fights to the death between male slaves, like depicted in this movie. Um, historian Edna Green Medford notes that there are only undocumented rumors and such that such fights took place. Uh, David Blight, director of Yale's Center for the Study of Slavery, said that it was not a matter of moral or ethical reservations that prevented slave owners from pitting slaves against one another in combat, but rather economic self-interest. Slave owners would not have wanted to put their substantial financial investments at risk in gladi gladiatorial fights. The non-historical term mandingo for a fine fighting or breeding slaves comes from comes not from Tarantino, but from the 1975 film. Mandingo, which was based on the 1957 novel uh, of the same title. Writing in the New Yorker, uh, William Jelani Cobb observed that Tarantino's occasional historical elast elasticity sometimes worked to the film's advantage, saying, quote, there are moments, end quote, Cobb wrote, quote, where this convex history, history, history works brilliantly like when Tarantino depicts the Ku Klux Klan a decade prior to its actual formation in order through to thoroughly ridicule its members, vile racism, end quote. However, Tarantino holds that the mask murderers depicted in the film were not KKK, but a group known as the Regulators. They were depicted as spiritual forbaders of the later post-Civil War KKK and not the actual KKK. I said. KKK way too many times, I need to stop. On the matter of historical accuracy, Christopher Cladwell wrote in the Financial Times, quote, of course we must not mistake a feature film for a public television documentary, quote, pointing out that the film should be treated as an entertainment, but not a historical account of the time period it was set in. Quote, Django uses slavery the way a pornographic film might use nurses, <laughs> nurses conventions, a piece of text. For what is really meant to entertain us, what is really meant to entertain us in Django is violence. End quote. Richard Brody, however, wrote in The New Yorker that Tarantino's, quote, vision of slavery monstrosity is historically accurate. Tarantino rightly depicts slavery as no mere administrative ownership, but a, a grievous and monstrous infliction of cruelty, end quote. They even got an, a copyright infringement in December of 2015, $100 million dollars. A uh, dollar lawsuit was filed against Tarantino by filmmakers Oscar Colvin Jr. and Torrance J. Colvin, who claimed that the script for Django Unchained bears extensive similarities to their film, Freedom. The lawsuit was filed in a federal court in Washington, D.C., and on January 24, 2017, the lawsuit was dismissed. Uh, in the 2014 film, A Million Boys to Die in the West, Fox makes a, a cameo appearance as the Django, and he is seen shooting the proprietor of a racist shooting game called Runaway Slave, saying, Quote, people die at the fair, end quote. Uh, they even made crossover sequels in comic book adaptate in comic books. Um, and there really isn't much to it, just that. Uh, there was even a miniseries, and Tarantino has said, has said in an interview that he has 90 minutes of unused material and considered re-editing Django Unchained into a four-hour, four-night cable miniseries. Uh, Tarantino said that breaking the story into four parts will be more satisfying to audience than a four-hour movie. He said, quote, it would be an endurance test. It would be a miniseries, and people love those, end quote. I, hmm. I don't know how I'd feel about that. I think I'd be interested in that. Uh, the story, which became the director's follow-up, uh, there was even a novel, uh, and the story, which became the director's follow-up film, The Hateful Ape, was... First attempted as a paperback novel sequel to Django Untamed, titled Django in White Hell. 
Tarantino decided, however, that the character's established morals did not fit in the tone of developing the story, so he began rewriting as an original screenplay with no connection to the earlier film. He also expressed a desire to write a series of Django sequel novels. I would be interested in seeing how that how that works. How would whatever happened to Django and Brumhilda after they left the plantation? I'd be very, very, very interested. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I do apologize for the lack of scenes or yeah, lack of scenes in the episode. I just don't really want to like majority of the whole movie. Um, they're just using the N word so much, and I don't really want to put it on here. Um, so yeah, I do apologize for the lack of scenes in the episode. Um, bit of a fun fact, actually. This is, this is actually another behind the scenes. Uh, throughout the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio says the hard art a lot throughout the movie, and he had such a hard time actually saying it. Um, and finally, during one of the before one of the takes, um, Samuel L. Jackson got so fucking tired of watching DiCaprio struggle, and he's like, "You, yeah." Yeah, and Samuel Jackson just went up to him and said, "Look, motherfucker, this is just another Tuesday for us." And he literally just like shook him, and he's like, "Look, motherfucker, this is just another Tuesday. Fucking man up." And I'm like, "Yeah, no, that that I I, I truly do believe that happened. All right, this is Samuel Jackson we're talking about. Homie just went up to him and said, "Look, motherfucker, this is just another Tuesday for us. You just say the damn word and get your damn paycheck." And uh, that it ended there. That ended that there. So yeah, um. Yeah. Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, it looks like we are coming to a close. Yes, yes, I know. Wah, wah. Uh, I'd like to thank you guys all for listening. Thank you guys all so much for the support and whatnot. Um, to apologize for the yelling in the back. Um, I do live in a Hispanic household. No privacy at all. Um, sorry for the brief pause there. Um, thank you guys all so much for watching. Thank you so much for the support. Again, winners will be announced next Wednesday. I'll wait for you guys. It's Friday. For you guys, it's Friday. For me, it's Tuesday. I'm doing this on Tuesday. Sorry. Uh, winners will be announced Wednesday, the 30th. And that's pretty much it. Winner gets to be on a guest star. Guest, guest star on an episode of Time Out with Tony. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'd like to thank you guys all so much for watching. And I'll catch you all in the next one. See ya. Oh, shit. I forgot to.